Guys, have you got any New Year's re- resolutions? No. I have some which are broken <laughs> up into different categories. <laughs> oh, Chris. What? Just Chris. Just what did no. you say? I didn't actually hear him. You said no straight off the bat. As <laughs> it, straight away, no. no. I, I don't need to make any resolutions. I'm fantastic as I am. So mm. my New Year's resolutions is... So when me and Dan, when we went to Snowden, we had some adult financial talk in a pub. Oh, that's yeah, of, we did. So that gave me some motivation to open up like a stocks and shares ISA. And um, I was speaking to like my colleague at work. So I actually opened up the ISA 13 months ago. And my goal for this year is to double the amount of money I've got in that ISA. That's my main goal for this year is to get that and get the garden dog proof. So that way, at least my dog can actually run around properly. I think they're my two main goals for this year. Yeah, I, th- I think like you know, these days, revolution- revolutions are a bit... Yeah, it's just like, oh, I want to be more... They can feel very... They don't. A lot of them don't really hold much weight. And I think if you really want to do something, realistically, it shouldn't be at New Year's. You just do it from the get, like from whenever you want to, you know. If you want to be like, I want to lose weight, you shouldn't wait till New Year's to be like, right, now I'm going to lose weight. If you want to lose weight, go and do it there and then. Like, for example, because I know yeah. that's like a big popular one for people when it comes to resolutions yeah like, january being the month where the most people buy gym memberships but also february being like the month where most people cancel their gym memberships <laughs> yeah yeah well for like the good thing about me although it's annoying for another month until the end of february is at work we have a gym but i need to pass my probation before i can use it so i've got to wait till the end of february oh, really? yeah well you know i'm not although i am an employee technically you know, I'm I'm on, I'm still on probation. I'm on probation, so I can't technically use it. So. Is this also including like before and after work? Like, do you still have access to it, or just like something you can do during lunch? I have it, access to it before and after work. So if I go on afternoons, I can go there, go for a gym session, get have a shower at work, and then get ready for work. That's awesome. Or vice versa, work, then go gym, have a shower at work, then go home. Yeah, saves saves you have to use the hot water at home. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. what I do. Like, if I go gym while I'm at work, obviously I make I make sure I make the most out of the shower system. For me, my re- resolution is I want to read more. Not just I'm not talking about manga because I think manga I can always push myself to read manga and graphic novels. I actually want to read books. I have st- I used to read so much, and for like I don't know when I stopped. I just I just don't read like I used to. And it's quite, I find it really frustrating and I want to read more. For Christmas, uh, I got two actual books. Uh, one I wanted and then one one of my family members bought me uh, out the blue. She was like, oh, I know you like your fantasy. So here's a, this had a good review in like the paper. So here you go. I checked it on Goodreads and it's got a really good, it's got really good reviews on Goodreads. So there you go. I've also made a Goodreads account and each year it has a writing, ch- uh, not writing challenge, a reading challenge. So I've put down, I want to read 35 books, although that does include manga. But, you know, at least my aim is to read all of Berserk and all of Fire Punch. And then the rest of it is hopefully for actual books. So I can push myself to read more. Yeah, if I wasn't doing a PhD, I'd like to be able to read more novels. So like for Christmas, I got four of the John Gwynn books. So Valor, Wrath ruin and i can't remember what the other one is but it's like a short like block of them from john Gwynn. 
they're like quite beefy books and I'd like to be able to read through those. But obviously doing a PhD, I'm literally stuck to like reading journal articles. Just harder to, well, they're easier to trundle through than what I'd say a, a novel is, but yeah, still not fun to read. I wish I could read less because I keep reading shit on social media that I wish I'd never read in the first place. I feel dumb <laughs> for doing so. Every day there seems to be something like people can't be this stupid, surely. Yeah, Some people are. That's, they really, that's really are. Uh, the worrying thing. Like, I was going to say, like, the thing about New Year's resolutions is like most people, the reason people do it now is because they've had Christmas, they've had New Year's, and the catalyst is always they've overdone it, they've drank too much, they've ate oh, too yeah. much. Oh, and yeah. They feel like poo. I mean, but you can do it any time of the year. Like, I don't know. So I, for example, like went into hospital because I drank too much, so I sort of stopped drinking. That wasn't the New Year's thing. It can happen any time. Yeah. Mm. Boxing day, I went for a run. I was like, well, yeah. here we go. And then I proceeded to probably eat more than I did the previous day. But uh, <laughs> uh, So the, the moral is, especially to people on Twitter, get better now, you shit. Yeah, get better, you Twitter people. In the words of um, a, an artist, musical artist, just take a look at yourself and make a change. There you go. It's a lovely quote to end on. And from the quote from another musical artist, ooh, wah, ah, ah, ah. It's got nothing to do with anything. <laughs> Wherever you are, good afternoon, good evening, good morning. I don't know what time of day you're listening to this, but good morning. exactly. I welcome to Victory Achieved. I'm Dan, and I'm with Brandon and Chris, and we are a video game podcast. Although we're not going to start with video games just yet, because I watched a new Godzilla film, Godzilla Minus One. Do either like, of you ask why it's called Minus One? I don't know. That's what what it's just called. <laughs> Like, I cannot tell you, even after watching it, I I don't know why it's called Minus One. It's just called... I believe Minus, minus One is a subtle reference to the review score of Godzilla 1998. Was it, it that bad? Oh, no, yeah. I've heard... Ni- I've not watched it, but I, I've heard ni- the 1998 one is shit. That was the first film I've ever seen in the cinema. Where I thought, wow, that was shit. <clears throat> well, <laughs> it'd be good to know that Godzilla Minus One is the highest rated Godzilla film of all time. And Yay. and uh, I'm going to tell you, I did mention this in our group chat, but I was wrong. Oppenheim is not as good as Godzilla Minus One. Fucking hell, Godzilla Minus One is easily my favourite film of 2023. <laughs> Fucking hell, it's amazing. Uh, here's the thing, though, Dan. Here's the thing. Without Oppenheimer and the nuclear bombs and testing and that, you wouldn't have a Godzilla, because that's how he's formed. <laughs> true, so, true you're correct. You're correct. Godzilla is the sequel to, to Oppenheimer. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they share the same universe. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a conspiracy. We can move for 2024. There you are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Off you go. We go fan fiction. Uh, no, uh, this this film. I've seen a few Godzilla stuff recently, and um, you know you've got the Western monsters versus Godzilla films, and they're fun. You know they're not perfect, but they're fun. They're, you got the big spectacle of. Godzilla fighting whatever monster or fighting King Kong and you know they're fun and they're very westernized you know you have all the actors and you're like you know what I don't care about these human characters I just want to see big monsters fight and that's what is quite frustrating with those films you got to go through a lot of the human moments which are quite bland to get to the good 
monster fights. Then you've got like the I watched the the free the anime trilogy a couple years ago. It was it, except the first one was okay. The other two were shit. I'm just yeah. Then you had the there was an anime series around the same time. It was okay, but it was a bit weird. Then. I watched uh, Shin Godzilla, which came out, I think, early last decade, I think. It was de- last decade. It was uh, one the other Japanese Godzilla. It was it's either produced or directed by the guy who made uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion. So that's one of the other reasons why I wanted to watch it. But uh, Godzilla Minus One takes all the, all the frustrating things about everything, that, of all the Godzilla films from the past, and all the good things about uh, Godzilla... And just has the perfect package. It's, you know, it is still a film about humans versus Godzilla, and that's fine. But it really, from the moment it, it begins, it creates a. Its protagonist is relatable, and you engage with his story, even though, yeah, it's about Godzilla. But the way his story interacts with Godzilla, you kind of give a fucking shit. Um, it is all in Japanese. So I did watch it with English subtitles, but um, you know, it, it the, the story it's like set in like post World War Two, like well the, the last it begins in World War Two, and it like the final days, and Godzilla appears on an island. He's really small at this point, and massacres this whole island, and the main character he is the one survivor, and from there he he's dealing with survivor's guilt and. It, it's really interesting how it affects him going forward and then he gets a, a job and from that job he re- re-encounters Godzilla and from there it continues as Godzilla begins his rampage on post-World War II Japan and it's it the the amount like the uh, the action's fantastic the the sound is incredible every time you hear the Godzilla theme song yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it it just it really shows what Godzilla, what a good Godzilla film can be. Like if you, if you literally see rankings of any of the Godzilla films right now, or just Godzilla in general, minus one is literally at the top, and it's got an eight point four on IMDb, and there's a reason it's got that high of a score. It is really good. Um, the way like the final battle is really clever and. It's it different. The final battle does remind me of a bit of Shin Godzilla in some ways, but I think where I think Shin Godzilla was just really slow to build up to all the action. Whereas minus one, there's enough action all the way through to make you uh, keep you engaged. There's all the slower human interaction moments are all really good. The main character, all the characters he interacts with, and uh, kind of the he has like a little family kind of reminded me of uh, a bit of spy family and to a to degree of how his little family comes together it is really emotional and no it's really good there are you know some of the, the plot points are quite obvious you're like oh this is going to happen and it happens i think that's the only downside some of the plot points are quite obvious but it's just in a really good package that i, I left being like oh man i would happily rewatch that film right now it's it's so fun So in conclusion, Godzilla. Go- Godzilla is Godzilla, yeah. So I was looking at the Rotten Tomatoes rating for all the Godzillas, and the one at the bottom is Godzilla against Mecha Godzilla. Yeah. Like I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah. Well, Mecha Godzilla came back in the last Western 
Godzilla film. Oh, uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. Spoilers if you've not seen that film. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's like loads of the monsters in Godzilla like have like different origins. Like Mecha Godzilla has one origin that he's been it's been created by aliens. Uh, one that it's been created by humans. Yeah, it, there's loads of different things. I want to see some more of the Godzilla films. I remember picking up the 1998 Godzilla when I was at primary school. And at the time, it's been years since, I think it was the 1998 one I watched. It was on VHS. I remember enjoying it back then, but I don't know, obviously, as I've grown up, I've yet to watch, like, remember what actually happens in it. Well, the the I'm Western looking, ones, ones like, the Western ones are fine, but, you know, like, God of Monsters is probably, like, the best of the, the bunch so far, which is not, you know, it's, it's, it's quite fun because you've got quite a lot of monster fights in that one. But then, you know, Godzilla 2014, there's too much of, like, Godzilla, Godzilla, and he's just not there, or it's, like, so dark, you only see, like, a bit of him. Whereas, in God of Monsters, you see a lot of him, and it's really good, And you, but you got also all the other fucking monsters. And then Godzilla vs. Kong, you've got a lot of Kong, which it depends if how much you prefer Godzilla or Kong, mm. you know. Also, you got Skull Island, which is decent, which is part of the Monsterverse. And you've got the new one, I think it's this year, uh, Godzilla Kong, and uh, I can't remember what, what the actual tad line is. I saw the trailer yesterday, and I was, I was like, I'd rather just rewatch Minus One, to be honest. <laughs> no, did I'll, you see it in cinemas, did you say? Yeah, I, I went cinema to see Minus One. It was good. So it was it, quite was it, packed. So with, this, with this cinema, obviously, aesthetic, like, how did it feel? It was great, you know. Because obviously it's a bit different. Like certain films are a bit different. Watching well, them at home. Than let they me are let cinema. me show you this. There's a the the middle the sec the middle act of the film. Godzilla attacks Ginza in Japan, and there's a scene after he uses his n- nuclear breath where he's just standing with the ash cloud, and the and the main character is looking up at Godzilla, and it's like one of the it's like the best shot of the of the um the film. There was quite a lot of s- shots in the film that were like long shots. And I noticed that, like, there's the the bit, the first action scene on the island with Godzilla. There's a whole load of, like, one-shot scenes. And the fact that this is a Japanese film, I was like, this is really well done. Um, Godzilla does feel a lot more, his CGI feels very, uh, what's the, I want it, a bit wooden in some ways, which has a bit of charm to it, whereas... You know, you watch the Western Godzilla films and he's so fluent. So it depends how much you like that. Mm. There's a bit of charm to it. You can definitely tell, even if it wasn't in Japanese, you can definitely tell it's a Japanese, like, film in the way they've handled Godzilla compared to Western, compared to a Western studio. Yeah, because, again, looking at Rotten Tomatoes, it's the only, like, Godzilla Minus One is the only Godzilla film rated above the original. Yeah. That's that's something. No, it's it's fantastic. I'm not saying I'm the biggest Godzilla fan, but this was a really good film. And uh, if you've got, yeah, I know, like I said, I recommend it. But uh, I wasn't the only one who watched a film. Uh, Chris, you watched. Chris did. Chris watched. I imagine at least one other person on Earth watched a film in the last couple of weeks. A bit weird, I weird, mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, go on, I'll give you that. Right, so I wish this film had a Godzilla in it because it would have made it more entertaining for me. Oh, oh dear. So I watched a film called Saltburn, which 
I didn't know anything about it going in, but it was very heavily advertised on Amazon Prime. Like, pretty much any time I went to watch anything on it, it's like, oh, yeah, watch Saltburn. It's like, fine, I will. Let's talk about something topical. I wanted to talk about something up to date because I haven't really done a lot else. I've been doing more retro stuff, so I wanted to watch something new. I wanted to watch something new, so I watched Saltburn, which stars, uh, I'm probably going to butcher his name, Barry Keoghan, yeah, the Irish a, actor. Yeah. You may know him from Eternals and uh, Banshees of Inishirin. Good actor. Quite like him. Very pissed. He's also on the, I think, in the deleted scene of the Batman, he was the Joker. That is correct, yes. Um, yeah, I don't know whether they're going to go ahead with that casting going forward, whether they're going to do another the Batman. Let me know. Mm. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Anyway, sticking on topic. So, Saltburn is a. Well, it's advertised as a black comedy and like, sort of psychological thriller. And it also stars Rosamund Pike, Richard E. Grant's in it as well. So it's got some star power behind it. So I thought, yeah, you know what, I'll give it a go. I like all those actors. So I've got to say, for what is supposedly a black comedy, I didn't laugh once. I quite like a bit of black comedy. I like a bit of stuff like uh, Legal Gentleman, that kind of thing. And I really didn't know what the hell to expect. It's certainly got the psychological thriller angle down. But honestly, I was expecting it to be like, how, how the trailer made it look. Made it look like it was going to be a lot darker. Like, um, there's going to be more of a sort of, well, I'll say a, a big twist in it. There is a bit, but I thought it was predictable with where it, was, where it went. So the, the premise of it is, um, Eric Jürgen's character, uh, Oliver Quick, is at uh, Cambridge University. Was it Oxford? One of them. Uh, Oxford, sorry. Uh, it's at Oxford University. He meets this guy called Felix. Apologies, I was going to interrupt in there. Uh, yeah, he meets a guy called Felix, and they form a relationship, which is, it's a sort of ambiguous, are they in love? kind of story and this sort of same feeling like cottons onto several other characters as well throughout the narrative so once they graduate Oliver says well we can't go back to his hometown because like oh his mother's an alcoholic so Felix essentially asks him to come back to his estate which is the titular Saltburn so he goes down there starts living there and pretty much just like spends like the summer there uh, getting to know the rest of the family and from there it's kind of a downward spiral <laughs> but to really say anything more in depth would be to start going into major spoilers but as I, I I didn't know what was gonna go on with this film um when it was all said and done I, I think it under delivered I know Barry uh got nominated for a best uh, actor for this uh, I don't think he won for a Golden Globe don't think he did Rosamund Pike got a best supporting actress for it supposedly but I just don't think it was all that good I can't say it was bad because the acting in it was top-notch, and I was sort of engrossed to see where the hell it was going. But when it was all said and done, I was left feeling a bit underwhelmed. And there were, and for, for a film that's like two hours long, it did feel like it dragged a bit. I do feel there's one or two scenes could have been cut. There's a few dialogue things where I think they tend to get repeated a little bit, which like didn't seem necessary. It's like you can kind of pick up on where things are going to go from like the first encounter. But there's a, there's a bigger emphasis on drama. Like there's no real action in this film at all which is to be expected for the type of film it is. Uh, on the whole, you might like this film. It, I think my is going to vary on this. It's one of those films that feel like it's got a, um, not grander scope per se. Um, how can I put it? A more upper class appeal, I guess. <laughs> it's a hard one to nail down. What do you mean by upper class appeal? As in just a 
like the rich people will be like, oh yeah, this is nice. This is a top yeah, film. yeah. I can see that. Yeah, and um, I don't know. I think it's one of those trying films that's trying to be more cerebral than I think it is. It's like, oh, oh, aren't, we, are, are, aren't we clever? It's like eh, it probably could have been, but if I can we see where this is going, <laughs> but if it if it had a better ending or other things were um, laid out, then maybe it could have been slightly better. But I kind of predicted what was where it was going oh, like, okay. before things before things happened, and I'm a dumbass, so I'm <laughs> saying. Wait, but... Would have better mm, but I will. I know me better than anyone. <laughs> mm. Yeah, salt burn. Mm, can't can't really say I recommend it, but mileage may vary. You might prefer it more than I do. Depends how much you like. If you if you're more into dramas, say if you're more into stuff like I don't know, Pride and Prejudice or something, maybe you'll like this a lot more. But for me, it was more of a yeah. <laughs> It happened. I'm not going to watch it again. I get what you mean. Mm. Yeah, that, that's so bad. What Whoa. made you watch it? Was it just just on the whim? Yeah, it really was just on a whim. But as I say, it was like heavily pushed by Amazon, and I wanted to watch something new. And oh, okay. when I when I when I watched the trailer for it, it's say like psychological horror. It's like, oh, where's this? Where's this going to go? It's like, is it going to be like supernatural? It's like, it's more of a. I watched it because I wanted to know what the twist was. It's like, what's, what's happening? It's like, is because the trailer's strange. Like it's, it's like it's clearly got a sort of creepy undercurrent, but you don't know what it is. It's like you're not quite sure what sort of genre it's going to go into. Whether it's going to be more thriller, more horror, or maybe not at all. It's just how the trailer is. Uh, it's more in- intrigued. More being intrigued than anything. Uh, I was left wanting. Well, <laughs> just as a, a, a question, Salt Saltburn is a place. Have either of you been there? Nope. Nope. Well, I recommend going there. It's a really lovely seaside town in the Yorkshire Moors. It's re- really nice. So did they, obviously as part of it, did did, did it feel like they would bring on the Yorkshire accent? With oh, it? no, no. I, I've just, I just had a look at, uh, it's nothing to do with actual Saltburn. I'm just, oh, okay. yeah. It's no, I, I, did, I did look it up, but no, it's like, it's just like the name of the estate. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. I just had to, because it's called Saltburn, I had to bring it up because I went, oh no, it wasn't last year, it was the year before. I went to Saltburn for my mum's birthday and that was where I began playing Octopath Traveller 1. So that's how, well, it was a really nice weekend when I went there. So, come Brandon, you've been playing something. So yeah, so I've I've had one of my viewers asking like for me to play um, Ender Lilies. I've been playing Ark Knights, Terraria. Like I've got a nice little Terraria group, but one of my viewers was probably feeling a bit left out. They don't really feel that interested in Terraria, so they said, "Oh, you should get Ender Lilies." And then during the New Year sales, Ender Lilies was on offer on Steam, so I picked it up, and I am having a really really good time with it. It is a Metroidvania style game, so similar to the likes of Salt and Sanctuary, Hollow Knight, games like that. The whole premise of this game is you are basically like i want to say almost like a like a junior priest girl so like you're sort of trying to work your way out to be like a high priestess and there's basically some form of disease or corruption has spread out and is basically turning people into these monsters and so you can see that sort of like bloodborne aesthetic with that and then you've got the the horror aspects woven in you've got the real like telling stories and every time you fight a boss the bosses tend to be people that your character used to know who have now become corrupted so once you've beaten them in their sort of mutant form they're basically then sort of um i want to say like vanquished or relieved per se and you basically gain their skills to use yourself and you can and early game you're only limited to a couple skills at a time then as you explore more and more into the world you obviously you get more and more um perks and stuff so you can gradually use more and more skills to give yourself like that mo- uh, mobility around the map and explore different places you know i've 
I'm only maybe about three hours, three or four hours into it at the moment. A few of the bosses I've done first try, but there was one boss, I can't remember his name, but he he gave me a hard time. And the amount of times I had stupid deaths against him was just ridiculous. Art in it is beautiful. The soundtrack in it is beautiful. The combat in it is okay. I think the main thing, I said this on stream, the main problem I have with this game, it has this leveling system where obviously you fight things and you have this level counter on the top left of your screen, which gradually goes up. But apart from just increasing your attack, by one so far i don't really see what the point of a leveling system is because it doesn't give you any it doesn't feel like you get any benefit from it like you don't get to do any choice or customization with, with what sort of route you go to you know like you know i hate to compare it, but you know like the likes of like dark souls or skyrim you know any other sort of rpg game when you level up you could basically choose what to do with like a level up like do you know do you want to spec into a skill do you want to increase one of these stats do you want to do something like that but it doesn't really just give you a choice it's just basically just like a number it just says or it's basically like an indicator of how many things you've killed rather than you know how necessarily good you are at the game or whatever so no, if I was just, I, yeah so that's probably what i'd say is my only gripe so far with the game because everything else feels great like i don't know if you've seen any pictures of it yet I just, I just had a look at pictures but the leveling uh you're saying when you level up reminds me of i didn't actually mention this last podcast but on Final Fantasy 16 when you level up and it's just there's your level up screen you're like cool right and then you just move on like it just feels like your your health is increased these have all increased but then it doesn't even feel like anything's that different probably what you said you don't even you don't even get a level up screen on on ender lilies it just basically says oh level up it's like like you just, the number at the top left just changes and you're just like oh okay is that it and then the only way you notice what, what's happening is you look at your stats before you level up and then you look at your stats after you level up and you literally your attacks just gone up by one <laughs> like it, it in the grand scheme of things it's negligible for how much hp some of the monsters have but yeah mm. um I, I, like i said i picked it up when it was an offer it was like 10 pounds at the time i am really really having a good time with it likewise with like the soulsborne games there is like a new game plus version of it so once you complete the game and go for it a second time apparently the bosses have different movement mechanics and are a, li- a lot more faster aggressive movement patterns and stuff like that so i'll be interested to see like if i complete it do i dare go for like completing all the steam achievements for it to take it further not quite sure but it's something that i'm definitely going to keep playing like you know over the next few weeks to try and finish it but yeah if you want like a like a metroidvania with gothic styles and yeah i highly check out ender lilies i'm having a good time with it i did actually watch you play it for a little bit you and, did uh, it, it did seem a little bit intriguing like I, i've got to say i'm not much for the uh anime girl protagonist <laughs> <laughs> yeah, granted. It doesn't float my boat. It's all down to the gameplay, and it looked quite interesting. Yeah, I mean, you saw me having a hard time against one of those boss. I can't remember his name. It begins with G. I can't remember his name. I'm going to have to Google it now just to abate my Great brain. Great big bastard. Great big bastard. And the dogs. Yeah. Oh my God, don't get me started on the dogs. And oh, and, and murder chickens. So yeah, murder after we did, after I did the stream, so one of the um, bosses basically dropped me like a, basically like a pet, uh, like a raven or something to do range damage. And I kept calling it a murder chicken. And Chris works in a store and he, he politely made me a murder chicken sandwich for 50 pounds. <laughs> I did indeed. <laughs> I was very much appreciated. Yeah, it looks like pounds. a yeah. You five. Yeah, like yeah. What? Chris literally made you know like you make that the labels for items and you stick them on the shelves to show you like what the item is and how much it costs. Right. And Chris printed it and said murder chicken sandwich 50.00. Oh, okay. <laughs> so do you know how actually, it's yeah. Do you know how rare murder chickens are? Regular chickens are like cheap, but murder chickens they're fucking expensive, mate. <laughs> they're, they're very rare. Well, they are now. <laughs> yeah, exclusive only to your shop. Yes. Uh, for the limited offer 
other one. Wish we sold, so there's no more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like something I might pick up at some point. The main reason I've watched you play it is because uh, a couple of people have suggested I should give it a go. So because I like Metroidvanias, and so was like combined. So yeah, it's on my to uh, to playlist, but my to playlist is longer than my arms. Yeah, looking through the first couple bosses. Seagrid so is the first boss who just looks amazing. Then you go, oh, Gerard, that's his name, that bastard. Yeah, Gerard, the el- the elder warrior. He his AOEs are just bullshit, <laughs> basically. But it says here, like I'm looking on the on like the guide. It says recommended level 11 but the levels don't do shit so what did what's the point in having this recommended levels i don't get it are you sure this is not a game mechanic you're completely overlooking when it comes to i don't know game? but this souls right. games like to do that it's like oh there's a mechanic like we've decided not to tell you about it says here leveling okay. increases your base attack power so ender Lilies is an rpg that has a max level of 100 with players increasing the level by hunting down monsters for exp known as blight there are various benefits to leveling in ender Lilies, and this game guide gives you some tips so leveling increases your base attack power so if you come across a zone in ender Lilies that you're struggling with leveling up might be the difference between surviving one more shot what do you mean survive one more shot your hp is not increased when you level up instead your hp is increased by equipping relics yeah so even on the wiki it just says all it does is increases your attack like how like, what do you mean it does multiple things it doesn't well just, just get good then i guess yeah the spirit skills so like every time you fight a boss you get their spirit to use as a different attack you've got relics and apparently there's different endings as well so that'll be interesting to find out yeah mm. 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 Right, i'm going back on mute because i feel like my chest is going to explode <laughs> Well, well, Chris, you played Power Wash Simulator with uh, Adrian. I did play Power Wash Simulator, yes. Uh, I haven't got an awful lot to say about this game. Um, I know it's like extremely popular on Twitch, at least it seems to be, because um, I keep seeing a lot of people play it, and it came to PlayStation Plus, so I was like, Oi, Adrian, do you want to play this? Um, and she was like, do I have to? Please don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, no, nah, fuck it, come on. So uh, we were getting bored of like playing dead island and complaining about the minimap every single session so i thought we would complain about something else instead so we played power wash simulator a bit and i thought at first it's like oh okay it does have a sort of a campaign like you raise get money and unlock more cleaning supplies as you go on i thought okay so it does have some kind of progression it's not just like fucking around in the sandbox with he makes but i'll tell you what after like 10 minutes both of us are like this is pretty much turned exactly how we thought it was gonna go <laughs> it's like it for us it got boring quite quickly like once you got over the initial fact it's like hey we can white swear words in the dirt it, um, it, that only gets you so far it only gets you so far you can uh, doodle rude things everywhere which uh, admittedly chat found hilarious <laughs> when we were playing it's like okay chat quick what what swear word should we write in this big patch of dirt here uh, but honestly after that the actual playing it properly um, yeah we found it immensely boring especially when you've like nearly cleaned the entire map uh, and the game works on a percentage of like X amount, it's like clean. Um, when you get down to like, that loss, that last 1%, which could be literally anywhere on the map, you do have a thing that like tells you what's still left to clean, but you still got to find what the hell that means and the exact spot it wants you to do. Because even though dirt is mostly visible, sometimes when it's like one pixel and it's like in the corner of like two other things, you can't see it. It's telling you it's dirty and you'll be spraying it for like five minutes until the game suddenly decides to go, oh yeah, fuck it, it's clean now. So it's got really, <laughs> really infuriated. Like we're spraying one plank for like 10 minutes like between the two of us going, why aren't you clean, you bastard? 
until eventually it just went, yeah, we're right, fine. Yeah. So we, we found it quite infuriating. We, we, we're actually, for me, like, because I was playing it for like three hours straight, which is probably not recommended. It might be more more tolerable if you just like do it in quick bursts for like 20 minutes or something, or like just do one level at a time. It might be okay. Because it is quite a chill game. So I understand why people might like this kind of thing. Like any Anyone who likes other like simulator games, you don't want any conflict. You, you, you're all doomed out. Like, you can't handle any more explosions. You just want to be in a swing set for a bit. Um, <laughs> Play the swing set for a bit. Well, you do. That's literally what happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you might like this game. Like, uh, it, it's very much not for me. Uh, give, give me Doom any day. Uh, yeah, I tell you what. One one thing we've we found like progression. Even though you can do it, it seems incredibly slow. We're doing it after three hours, and I only unlocked like one thing. They're like, oh, what do you need? Like nine hundred bucks. But you clean something, you get like one dollar. It's like, oh, this is going to take quite the time, and it does. It takes ages. But uh, as far as I'm aware of it, we were playing it on PlayStation. But I think if you play it more on PC, like more online, there are like uh, player creative maps, so you you pretty much got endless cleaning potential. <laughs> but, but for me, the kind of game it is like i'm sitting here cleaning a virtual like garden i could be sorting out my own garden doing yeah, that's my new resolution. Yeah. I do think it could benefit from like a sort of sandbox destruction mode as well. It probably wouldn't be more fun if you reverse it. It's like, make everything dirty again. <laughs> but I guess that's that's not the object of the game. Make everything like dirty, then make it yeah, clean. Blow everything up mode, what you want. That's what I want anyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. If, if you want to play it, play it for five minutes. Write the word bum in the dirt and then just move on with your life. <laughs> that's my recommendation. Mm. I know there's a Warhammer 40k crossover coming at some point. I think it was meant to be last year but i think it's been delayed so it comes this year at some point so oh, yeah, there, being... there, there were two uh packages featured when we booted it up there was one for like back to the future and another one for like final fantasy 7 like midgar because it's, it's yeah i know uh, i think it's square oh, yeah. that make power wash simulators so they've got well, well you know why because mm-hmm. they can't let final fantasy 7 go it's like a dead horse. They keep on beating it. Yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sure what, what exactly you clean that, but I imagine, like, the best part for a cleaning simulator to come in is, uh, not cleaning simulator, power simulator to come in, would be the, the point of the game where they drop the plate onto, is it, is it District 9? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Quite, quite the classicalism. Uh, if you could role players like the cleanup squad that turns up for Shimmer and go, oh dear, that's going to take a little while. We're going to need a bigger dustpan and brush for that. <laughs> Oh dear, you know. Yeah, I, I, I was listening to. Yeah, it wasn't last. Well, the time recording, it was a while back. I think it was the penultimate episode of Trash Taste of 2023, and Connor was like, Oh, I played Final Fantasy VII this year. Oh, I absolutely loved it, but that's what I've always thought. I think the fans of Final Fantasy VII just make, make it so toxic. I'm just. It's what I hate about Final Fantasy VII. Just the fans. I love the game. Hate the fans. <laughs> oh yeah, a lot of a lot of games have their sort of toxic fandoms, and right. the Final Fantasy VII one is it's, one of the worst. It is one of the worst. I, I absolutely well, the, detest it. The, the the Final Fantasy VII fandom now is like split down the middle because you know like the ones that like the diehard is like no only in the original, which um, I fall very much into that camp. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> yeah, I, I into fall into that as well. <laughs> but and then it's like then oh, you got, but, you got the fans a little more. Oh yeah, but you know, remake and rebirth. Oh, I'm like, it's like no, this isn't. I couldn't give two shits about rebirth. They, they, it's, it's like, oh, we're gonna make a remake. They did not make a remake. No. Nope. There you go. A re, a reimagining. Oh, Zach's alive. Oh, what? Anyway. Uh... Yeah, it's like point, point missed. It's like, oh, you've, you've undone all the emotional involvement. Yeah. 
no. Yeah. It, if it if it was kind of like superhero-ish, just like um, like no one's deaths matter anymore. You can just like undo it and magic, or we want more money button. Well, I guess back to some something. Um, I I actually watched the because on Netflix they finally uploaded all the latest uh, Pokemon anime uh, for Ash Ketchum and I. I watched I watched it all. But you're wondering why I'm talking about this. Well, it's the final. If you're not not aware, or Ash Ketchum's time in the anime has come to an end. Um, Ash Ketchum. Ash Ketchum. Yes. What is he Ketchum. now turned eleven? Yes. No. No. He's still on his adventure. It's he's just we don't watch it anymore. It's now because you if you watch the Padea season, which is on BBC iPlayer, which I didn't realise, it's got a new character. Ash isn't in it anymore. Oh yeah. So I watched the final season of the Galar, the Galar journeys, and that was that was fun. The the final battle between Ash and Leon was really good. Although Ash technically cheats, but Leon makes him cheat. So it's like okay, but it was really good fun. And you always find in those battle Pokemon battles, they always put all the animation into them, and it always look fantastic. Why the final battle of Pokemon Sun and Moon? Uh, the anime for that is like my favorite Pokemon battle in the entirety of the franchise. Uh, it's just incredible. I think that was better than Ash vs. Leon. But that, but then afterwards they did another Pokemon season, which is the final episodes for Ash. And to put it in a nutshell, it's just Indigo League again. But Ash uses every single fucking Pokemon he has. And uh, yeah, you got it's just another eleven episodes of Ash with Misty and Brock on a, on an adventure dealing with Team Rocket every episode. It's just more of the Indigo League, mm-hmm. pretty much. But then Ash is not an idiot. He'll use his Dragon Knight. He'll use his Charizard. He'll use his Bulbasaur. Who he'll use his Lapras. He'll use his Snorlax. In the final episode, he uses his Pidgeot. Um, yeah, it uses everything. It's great. There's a, an episode where it has a Squirtle squad and it was really emotional. No, it, it was fun. Like, was there going to be any big revelations? No. It was just a nice, fine fan service end. You know, it, it was fine. It was fun. D- don't expect anything. But, you know, it, it was. it's sad to see the end of Ash's uh, anime story. Um, right, I've got two questions. Okay. One. Does Ash pay for Misty's bike? No. What a prick. <laughs> Banter. <laughs> Question two. Does Brock end up with anyone? No. No, he got. Clo- <laughs> he, the thing is, he's got close a few times. Like mm. you know, I, kind, I kind of, I kind of shit him and James. To be <laughs> There's like a few times he's got really close, and then he's just like, oh no, it didn't work out. And he's like, oh okay, whatever. Like eleven episodes. All fine, you know, fun, nothing too serious. But there was another Pokemon anime that came out over Christmas called right. Pokemon Concierge. Have either of you seen or know anything about this? Of course not. <laughs> I've seen the trailer for it and thought, oh, it's on Netflix, I can't watch it. This, this show is, I, I think I said um, I said this on New Year's Eve to my friends. I was like, you know my top ten anime with my uh, honourable mentions? I would have swapped the boy and the heron with Pokemon Concierge. <laughs> oh, that good. <laughs> it's 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 just a, a fun cozy show. That's all it is. It's all stop motion. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I don't know if you know of the anime Rilakkuma. It's by that same studio studio, and that's all stop motion, like felt. It's just that, but with Pokemon. So it was it was an instant win, and it yeah, literally. I, 
everyone who's watched it is just like, oh, it's so good. Like, it's nothing serious. It's just, it's all set on an island. This woman who doesn't have a Pokemon after she's had a bad breakup, she gets a new job, comes to this island and works as a concierge. It's just like a, a caretaker. She gets, a, she befriends a Psyduck. It's instantly made me go, you know what? I really like Psyduck now. Uh, Psyduck is the cutest in the anime, in this anime. Got like a felt uh, Dragon Knight as one of the main Pokemon, which is obvious and obviously an instant win in my books. Uh, it's got a lot of Pokemon from all the generations. There's nothing serious. It's only four episodes. I binged it in, I binged all four back to back, just lay in bed, watching it, playing some Pokemon. That was great. It was such a nice way to uh, end my evening while I was uh, before going back to work. Yeah, it was great. Like I said, nothing. It's nothing serious. But if you just want a nice, relaxing show that you know is going to take less than two hours to watch all four episodes, there you go. Well, Bombardier is the heaven Pokemon, so you've kicked that heaven out of your party then, from the sounds of it, and replaced it with Psyduck. Bombardier. <laughs> I, I don't even know. If, which, Scarlet and Violet. Uh, that's why. Oh, I, that's why I'm like. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I couldn't remember that Pokemon. To be honest, yeah. From like, is that me- is that is that memorable? He's one of the boss fights, and no one can remember. From like Gen eight and nine, I I now forget a lot of the Pokemon. Up to Gen seven, I remember quite. I pretty much remember most Pokemon. Gen eight and nine, I forget now. I'm like, yeah, it gets it gets a bit ridiculous from then on. Yeah, I think I can comfortably name everyone up until like Gen three, and after that, it gets a bit spotty. I, the thing is, I I've said this before, like. My favourite gens of actual Pokemon, some of them are the later ones, like Gen 5 is always Gen 3, obviously Gen 1, 3, 5. I actually think Gen 6 is quite a strong gen. It's just, there's only <laughs> 69 Pokemon. Nice. <laughs> uh, they're all quite strong gens, generation of Pokemon. Um, four, 4 is kind of good, but it's also so unbalanced that I'm a bit like, eh. But it does so, it reinvents and actually makes Gen 2 good. So that's the only good thing about Gen 4, where it's got all the additional evol- um, evolutions. Why I do like it. Anyway, we're not. I was talking about Pokemon Concierge. Anyway, yeah, Pokemon Concierge. Good fun. Uh, I recommend watching it. It's nothing too serious. Just a nice watch. Nice watching with the kids if you have kids. Obviously, I don't. But if you have kids, it's a good one to watch with them. Well, you've nailed down both categories of viewers there. You can watch it with kids or, or not if you don't have them. Yeah, there you go. Literally today, I was scrolling through Instagram and saw uh, someone uh, someone watching watching it, and uh, and I was like, and they were like, "Oh, this is really really good." And I was like, you know, every, everyone's loving it. It's such <laughs> a breath of fresh air. I want more episodes right now, but it's only four. So are they actually going to release more? Or is that it in its entirety? No, I think I think they are going to release more. Like if that was the last four, if that's all they're doing, I'd be like, no, like you can't do that. I think they are going to do more. Like the the fourth episode is all about a Pikachu, and it was really really lovely. Mm. Um, yeah, no, it's it's good. Well, uh, I've got one more game to discuss before we move on. To, well, we don't kind of got a main topic, probably. Maybe we'll, we'll wing is, it. We'll, we'll wing it like we always do. We're still coming out of uh, New Year. We're still like dealing with getting back into work, like and stuff like that, and catching up with certain things. At the moment, I'm like binging Attack on Titan, so a lot of other stuff I'm not really watching. You know, game-wise, I've been playing Pokemon Crystal, doing a Nuzlocke on that, so I haven't really played anything new. So, you know, it's just a bit of a slow couple of weeks. We'll we'll be back into the swing of things. Don't yeah, even know when new releases are either for games. Yeah, 
Well, thankfully, it's my birthday in a few days, so I've got at least three things to talk about in the next episode. So, Ooh. yeah, good. But yeah, early January is always a bit of a dry season with gaming. It's like, like they try and release things before Xmas this time of year. It's like, oh, no releases are out. Bugger all. Wait till February. <laughs> Anywho, so one game I want to highlight, which I've been playing, I it's actually a fair few years old. I think it's like six years old or so. But recently, um, I've been replaying like the. Legend of Grimrock games, like which are like dungeon crawler, grid based things. But I thought, oh, there's another one that I downloaded ages ago, which I never beat. I started playing it, enjoyed it, and I think I just got distracted by something else. But I went back to it, and you know what? I'm going to stick with it this time because I am quite enjoying it. And that game's called Vaporum. So it is right literally on the title. It's called Vaporum Steampunk Dungeon Crawler, which is a very apt description of what it is. So aesthetically, it looks a lot like Bioshock, like Ratchet in particular, same sort of setting. Like, you start off as a guy who's, like, in some kind of what seems to be, like, under-the-sea compound, uh, and you're just trying to unravel the mystery of what you what the hell's going on, basically. So how this works is you move one style at a time, like, you turn around, like, solve puzzles that way, like, you know, doing the old usual pushing blacks, getting into combat, which is in real time, but you can avoid them by strafing out the way, right? You've got some modules which act kind of like magic, which like, act on a sort of cooldown mana system it's called something else but for all intensive purposes it's magic it's spells and then you've got different classes of weapons so you've got like blunt blades you can dual wield or you can use like a shield but uh thankfully if you want to mix things up a little bit there's like um you can just like press one key and it changes your your loadout so you can essentially have two loadouts so say if you're fighting something melee but then something's ranged you can switch and like use a gun or rifle or something at a drop of a hat what makes things slightly more intriguing when it comes to your characters like you do level up in this game but they are very few and far between uh and there's like several skill trees and each one like correlates to like a, a different weapon type or your own build like more hp kind of thing so you really kind of do have to focus on like, a couple of skills like uh it kind of helps if you've got like a build in mind before you go ahead so because you don't get many levels you can't just like change your mind like halfway through and go hmm, blades aren't really working for me let's switch to hammers it's like yeah you're not gonna have enough skill points to really flesh it out but hey you can always play it again so on my replay of this um because my memory from years ago is very blurry at best i'm about five hours in but yeah i'm, I'm really i'm enjoying it uh, i've focused more on a uh, dual wielding blade build which um can apply things like bleed uh poison if you find like the correct kind of items uh your imagery is quite limited as well so you can't like pick up everything there's no shops or anything it's just if you can't carry it just drop it on the ground there's plenty of puzzles to be found some of which you need to progress if you're very perceptive there are hidden panels and secrets i think there's like several on every floor you can find which are normally worth seeking out because you can find like permanent upgrades or just flat out better equipment than what you've got so it pays to look around uh if i have one minor gripe with it enemies like are sometimes feel a bit cheap like there's a few times where you can get like jumped on by i'd probably say like one too many enemies and you can't get around them sometimes even like some of i've looked at like a speed one or two of this just to see decide to refresh my memory on how it was before i played it again and even when they're going for repeats there's like a couple of bits where they seem to get like bottlenecked and it's like oh, it's like, oh no i think i've just ruined the speed run there because the enemies decided to be a twat uh yeah i do though um recommend it quite a lot um it's not like uber expensive and apparently it's got a sequel as well which uh i have not played called vaporum's lockdown 
which I'm going to look up after I've finished recording this and maybe purchase. But yeah, if you like uh, bit-based dungeon crawlers, this is another one to put on the pile. GOG, it's got a 4.1 out of 5. Steam, it's got a 9 out of 10. And it's not going to break the bank. I've actually been playing it on the Switch, which is weird. Uh, that's uh, say I bought it years ago when the Switch library wasn't massive. It was one of the first games to be released on it, I think, uh, back in 2017. So a little while after the Switch came out, but there weren't much to play, and this one caught my attention. I'm glad it did. I'm enjoying it. Give it a watch. Give it. Give it a watch. Give it a go. <laughs> or, watch, or watch someone play it. I might. Yeah. I might yeah what, watch Spanky play it. Yeah, I might play it at some point. We'll see. But yeah, it's a good game. Vaporum, go for it. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just looking through screenshots of it. Like the second one, Vaporum Lockdown. Mm-hmm. Does it look intriguing to you? I've never really played any of the dungeon. I've, yeah, I've never really played a dungeon crawler, so it's mm. well, the, so it just look quite fascinating. Just think of it as just like a first-person shooter, just like one like one move at a time, <laughs> like a big chess game. When you say one move at a time, do you mean like you click and it goes forwards like to a new area, or is it? As in it's, like, it's like literally like one step forward uh, unlike something like legend of grimrock you don't have like a party of four you've literally just got the one character really really good oh yeah i'm just watching the gameplay trailer right now yeah oh so does it even turn automatically as well uh you do it all yourself so oh i see it now yeah so, so uh so you combat in it how does the combat like is that the, the combat's in real time so but you uh if you're trying to get past them you want to like step to the left or right to avoid their like full frontal attack but the enemy depending on the enemy is like, they follow the same rules as you do, so they move like one step at a time, and uh, they can strafe as well. Depending on their attacks, they some of them have got like AOEs, so like do a sort of grid around them. So you need to move a couple of spaces out of the way. But if you're jumped on by multiple of them, you can't physically like, go past an enemy. So if you're like stuck between a wall and then like, there's three other enemies like one on either side of you, you ain't going anywhere. Yeah, I'm looking at like the AOE and the enemies in there. That looks like hell. <laughs> It's surprisingly fun. Like it, you do get a enough abilities like later game to like deal with like more crowd control as you, one may expect, but it really depends on how you spec into your character. Uh, but the game does like introduce like new enemies that sort of drip pace. Like, like the first level of it is pretty much just a tutorial. Like or do this, like mash hit blocks to get rid of them. Strafe around the enemy to do this. Use this kind of magic for this. So you got you got plenty of options to deal with things. Hmm. I do feel though, oh, the, there is one of it contentious point when you if you heal you use like a healing item but because like things like enemies don't respawn or anything they're essentially in limited supply oh and so if you get off to a really bad start i think i haven't got to like the, the late game so maybe there's a point where you can like replenish them i'm not sure but currently there isn't so i feel like if you play like really badly at the start you may have just like doomed your entire playthrough because like, oh, I've got no healing items left. I've got no no way to recharge my magic. Uh, but thankfully, um, it's got like a sort of quick save option. Even on the Switch, you can just like press two buttons to like save at any point. Okay. So you kind of know before you go into a big room, it's like yeah, it's going to be a fight in there. I'll quickly save my game before I step forward. <laughs> if the encounter goes badly, just reload. If it goes fine, then hooray! So you can do that. There is like um like, like what's kind of traditional with these type of games. There is also an Iron Man mode. So if you die once that's it it runs over and it turns off like auto saving <laughs> uh, if you want to do it in one run go for it i'm just, I'm just bro- broadly looking at dungeon crawler on um on steam and i just noticed that the elder scrolls 2 is free oh daggerful yeah 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 it's been free for a while i don't think i've ever seen it not free that's not a dungeon crawl well it, it is but it's not like grid based well it's, it's uh, also including games like there's hades as well but that's more a roguelike rather than a dungeon crawler yeah it's 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 one of those terms that can pretty much mean anything like action 
<laughs> he's like, yeah, that's you know, we might know you need to narrow that down a bit. Is it Might and Magic Ten? That's another good dungeon crawler, like grid based one. I'm gonna say both, both, but both the Legend of Grimrock are like S tier. They're the best of the best of the best. Okay, I've just, I just found. I think I finally found a proper dungeon crawler. That's Loon Acid. I'm unfamiliar with that one. It's it came out on literally Halloween last year. How do you spell that? L U N A C I D. Loon Acid. It looks like it looks like it's got the same aesthetics as like old school Elder Scrolls, like. Well, I say old school, you know, like... Oh, like yeah, it, yeah, it kind of looks like... Um, it's just like Fron software, so I imagine that's more like uh, Eternal Ring or Kingsfield. Yeah, so yeah, literally like inspired from games like Shadow Tower and Kingsfield. Yeah, oh, I might look at that. Cause I quite like those games. But they're like not grid-based, they're like proper real-time. Yeah. yeah okay. I completely forgot about Dungeon Crawl as a genre. It looks... Mm. Oh, it's given, oh, found another free game. Hell yeah, I'm taking that. I, I do recommend the Kingsfield games, but one, they're very difficult, and second, uh, because they're older, they're quite convoluted as well. Like progress, you can pretty much just get lost by not knowing something about the game that it doesn't tell you. Uh, yeah, you, you kind of need a... Need a you need a, like a wiki on standby to tell you where to go. Anyhow, right... Uh, unless we've got anything else to discuss, can we move on to what I've mostly been doing my spare time? I think yep. go for it, yeah. Yeah, all right then. So, we have mentioned the console on the Sega Saturn a couple of times, but I do feel it's one that gets overlooked a lot, and I don't think it's fair because it's one of my favourite consoles. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I finally, after all these fucking years finally managed to get a uh, stable Sega Saturn emulator up and running. Uh, I think whoever does the technical wizardry to uh, get this kind of thing working has finally sussed it. I mean, I've had Sega emulate Saturn emulators before, but they've always been very glitchy or just don't run properly or play like arse or no proper controller support or just combination of all of them, which makes them practically unplayable. But now I've got a way of doing, doing it, which I will not tell you how to do. <laughs> if you want to know, YouTube. It's YouTube. Yeah, so I've been playing some of the games I played, well, it would be about getting on for 30 years ago. It would be 1995, 96 I was playing this. So Sega Saturn, when it first came out, was very expensive for the time. I got one pretty much at launch for, I believe, £450, which was a lot of money in those days. Wait, how much? £450. Fucking hell. Yeah, one of the first nails in the coffin for the Saturn. It was um, PlayStation doing the infamous well, or famous for them uh display of their one where the only thing they said is like they went up to the podium and just went 199 mm. <laughs> so that was it playstation wins it's like literally more than half less half the price so yeah well initially the sega saturn did really well in the uh in japan like the first sort of year so us and us across the seas didn't get it for nearly a year after japan had it and it flopped in north america hard because they were competing with the playstation and it didn't help the launch of the Sega Saturn was very rushed. If you look at the graphics for something like, like one of its first games, like Daytona or Virtual Fighter, and then compared that to Tekken, yeah, it's uh, it's not even a comparison. <laughs> it, the tech, the PlayStation looks infinitely better because they took their time of it. It was the uh, Saturn, just, they really wanted to get it out before the PlayStation sort of just rushed it. So there's like the first two reasons why it failed. But in, it didn't last all that long. It was kind of discontinued in 1998. So it only really lasted like four like three or four years, depending on how you look at it. So, yeah, not the most spectacular one. So, put it this way, I have PS5, that's like three years old, so... And if that, like, died tomorrow, <laughs> you'd be like, oh, it lasted about as long as the Sega Saturn did. Oh, wow. Yeah. But I always think it's not fair, because even though it was 
an incredibly rocky start. It did have some fantastic titles on. Some of which got fleshed out, some of which didn't, but I'll just rattle off a few names. Uh, games I really enjoy, like Virtual Fighter is still a franchise that's going, to my knowledge. What else? What, what else is was on it i keep going to go to say a few names but there were also versions of it on the playstation as well that's literally what i'm uh, looking at at yeah. the moment i'm looking through a, like a, a 100 game list mm. and the only games on there that i played is rayman and croc the legend of gobbos yeah i think in some cases the saturn ports are better like rapidly like once 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 it had like time to sort of you know cook what was the uh, big sonic game on the sega saturn i mean none of them it was a knight's <laughs> game that apparently is on a lot of um top 10 lists yeah nights into dreams was a uh, very popular um is which got a couple sequel on the wii all the sega saturn sonic games like the weird ones like uh sonic the fighters and sonic r yeah but they're like arcade ports yeah so, so yeah they yeah, did on there as well the, that's one of the uh other killer things for the sega saturn it didn't have a proper sonic game it had it had a couple of spin-offs or like arcade ports and then it had sonic jam which was just a compilation of like one two and three and knuckles Although, I remember being very happy receiving that game when I originally had my Saturn, because I got that for 50p. Oh, wasn't so- Sonic CD on on the Saturn? Uh, oh, I think that might have been on Sonic Jam. Is that a compilation? Or was that... No, that might not have been out until the Sonic Gems collection on the game. Sonic Jam, Sega Saturn, Sonic CD, yeah. 1997, Sega CD. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's, here's another thing about the uh, the Rush thing. So one of the first sort of killer apps, as it were, was a game called Clockwork Night, which is like trying to showcase how what kind of graphical stuff the Saturn could do. And for this time, quite impressive. A lot of 3D models and like a 2D background. And yeah, for the time, it looked really good. And but the, yeah, the, the thing is, it was split between Clockwork Night 1 and 2. And that was because it was rushed. It was all initially meant to be one game because together, both games are pretty short because they are essentially uh, one title split in half. But because the Saturn was rushed, they couldn't get the game finished. So they just launched Clockwork Night, like the first half of it. And like, there you go. That's actually like the launch title, which right. is one of the first games I played for it i believe i had that daytona and a football game which i wouldn't have bought but it was part of the package i got that but there were quite a few notable titles on it um you had baku baku which is a very good um puzzle game that plays a little bit like columns tetris but with farmyard animals so you know kept the kids entertained you had ports of house of the dead which was actually i think it didn't do very well house of the dead i think the port yeah the re- bit, reviews say it's, that it's a bit it's right. a bit crap it's like it put like loading screens in it when it weren't and the uh the arcade and I was like oh, it like kills the pace but you did get virtual cop with the uh, light gun and I tell you what the light gun in it was one of my favourite light guns growing up like uh, if, you, if you like those types of rail shooter games virtual cop was a great time although I think it was overshadowed somewhat by time crisis PlayStation mm-hmm. uh, but honestly one of my favourite RPGs of all time ever which um, I've done a couple of streams of recently I'm going to continue with was Shining the Holy Ark and if you look up Shining with regards to Sega, uh, it's a big RPG franchise, but it like doubles in multiple genres. Uh, I think the most notable franchise is uh, Shining Force, like one and two, like turn-based RPGs, uh, the tactical ones, which are amazing. Uh, Basically, yeah, just like Fire Emblem. Pretty much, yeah, minus all like the, uh, all, like, the, the talk. Yeah, and, Shining Force seems yeah. more like dystopian or post-apocalyptic in like sci-fi kind of thing. Isn't it? Mm, or am I getting that wrong? Not really. A, a little bit. There's a couple of bits, but not really. Basically, I'm wrong. It's it, it is like it is like swords and sorcery type deal. Oh, it is. Uh, oh. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. But Shining the Holy Ark is again like what we were talking about earlier. A uh, 
first-person sort of dungeon crawler, but grid-based, but with like turn-based combat, like in random battles, as you may expect from that era. But honestly, I really, really enjoy it. Really like it. The plot's like, well, it's a Japanese RPG, so pretty much nonsensical, but <laughs> <laughs> but it's a lot of fun to play even now. So some of the games I've been playing, uh, I do think hold up quite well even now. If you can get past the initial graphics, they still play all right. Me and my uh, buddy uh, Lone Wolf GB, he came over, showed me the emulator. First thing he wanted to play, oh, Athlete Kings for the Sega Saturn. And Athlete Kings was a um, oh, athletic game, which when you look at it is basically like mini games. So you do things like 100 meters, you do hurdles, you do like a pole vault, which back in the day, none of us could work out the fuck to do because you got to do like a very precise button combination. What, like an early game um, version of Quop? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> but, but we we could never do it. I think we I think the entire time we had it, I think one or two of us managed to pull it off like once, and it was like by pure accident. It's like I've got no idea what the fuck it just did, but it worked. But honestly, we were still having fun with it. Some of the games do just boil down to just mash the buttons as hard as you can, as fast as you can. <laughs> that's the, that's the nature of the game. So, but still a fun time. Feel good. You can see where things like Wario wear and stuff like that. Got no ideas from, but you know, in an athletic setting, it must be good because it's a sports game and I don't play sports games but I don't mind that you can have a laugh at your, you can have a laugh at your mates playing it another notable one for me uh, Bug which is like a sort of pseudo 3D platformer whereas it's really hard to explain without visuals but Bug is a platformer with pseudo 3D because basically the entire level is like on platforms which sort of like go in and around the camera and sort of tilt so imagine imagine Mario 64 but instead of being able to run around freely you were like on a kind of grid or just like a corridor Oh. I know it's a strange one to wrap your head around but if you look at it like visually and yeah it makes sense but you also got to bear in mind these came out before Mario 64 and I think some of them still play quite well so I think they were innovative for the time they had all the uh, they had a lot of limitations and they tried to work around them because as I stated before on this show the uh, Sega Saturn was incredibly hard to emulate and uh, to actually work for just even despite porting games like Croc and Command and Conquer was a fucking nightmare what makes it so uh, difficult a couple of reasons it's mostly just a hard Hardware itself. Um, it used, I think, instead of like having like you know, like all oh, like the the PlayStation's like thirty two bits, so it's mm. got just got like the one process. I I know nothing technical about computers, so I'm I'm just probably going to talk bollocks for <laughs> anyone who knows. But the um, the Sega Saturn like processor thing was like split down the middle, so it's like two sixteen rather than one thirty two, which made oh. just like which made porting games and just making games on it a pain in the ass. It did have a slight edge on the N sixty four when that launched in ninety six, not graphically but just because it used CDs rather than cartridges so they could get more data on it. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. They so, uh, had yeah, that going for it. Yeah, what well, other games you had? You had Storia 4, which was a top-down RPG, um, which was utilised sort of cartoony graphics, which was great. And I'll tell you what, it's got, for my money, you know the franchise Bomberman? Yes. Yeah, yes. For my money, it's got the single best Bomberman game on it, just called Saturn Bomberman. It's got like a proper campaign, like single-player mode, which is not like super long or anything, I think it, the whole thing consists of like 30 levels but it's got proper boss fights it's got like uh, plenty of power-ups the level design's fun there's a lot of like funny little animations if you pay attention it's quite charming in its own little way and it's never been beaten don't know 
my, I like I like the Bowl Man games, but this is still the cream of the crop as far as I'm concerned. Graphically, oh. music, musically, it's good. It's this is fun gameplay. It's just, if you want the top notch Bowl Man game, Saturn Bowl Man's where it's at. Nah, it's, for it's for me, it's Bowl Man Generations on the GameCube. I adored that game to bits. That's the 3D one, isn't it? Yeah, I adored yeah. that game. Oh, the, the Saturn ones, like the traditional sort of top down uh, deal. Top down, destroy block ones. That's the one. Yeah, but uh, to get past every level, there's like certain like nodes that you've got to destroy. So you can get past the levels of like killing everything and like unlocking the whole level. So long as like you destroy the nodes, then you can get past. But you also don't want to do that because you want to find out like, every single power up there. And uh, thankfully, some of the power ups uh, carry on uh, when you lose a life. If you get like a game over and have to continue, you can pretty much start from the scratch. But I wouldn't say the game is like too hard. In fact, you, most of the time, the reasons you die is because you fuck up yourself. You end up trapping yourself with your own bomb. You know, like, oh shit. <laughs> It's not the enemy's fault. It's on yeah. you after time. So if the game can get incredibly easy, if you're like you're half decent and still have like all your upgrades, like you can have like tons of bombs, like loads of firepower, or my favorite, the remote bombs, which don't detonate until yes. you say so. So get them, get them, never let go. <laughs> it makes most of the boss fights a cakewalk because you just wait till the enemy's over them, then bone them up, hoping you're not in the way. But yeah, uh, Saturn Bomberman is the best Bomberman games. What else did we have? Uh, Sega Rally was another big one back in the day. That had a lot of uh, oomph behind it. I, was, I had a lot of marketing material to say your rally. And honestly, I never really got on with it. <laughs> I much prefer Daytona. Uh, in fact, if you if you know the Daytona game from back in the day, and it was even in arcades, you'll know the theme tune. It will just live in your head. It's I've probably just resurfaced it for a couple of people. I'm like, hey, remember that Daytona track from 30 years ago? Yep, <sighs> you got that in your head now. <laughs> it's just, if you don't know what I'm about, just go on YouTube, pop it on. That's literally yeah. what I'm probably going to do after this, after this recording. Yeah. I'm going to Google it. Trust me, you'll know it. In some in some dark recesses of your mind, if you went into an arcade in the 1990s, like early 2000s, you'll know it. <laughs> yeah, so that, that's some of the most notable games. When it comes to like Sonic, which is like their killer franchise at the time, there was a game being developed called Sonic Extreme, which ultimately was cancelled, mostly because it was taking so long to develop. It was getting close to like, the Dreamcast coming out, so they just pretty much scrapped it and just went with Sonic Adventure instead. But Sonic Extreme was meant to be the first Sonic adventure, but it just didn't happen. So, oh, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I love good games. Guardian Heroes, great co-op uh, side-scrolling beat 'em up with multiple endings which also got a sequel on the GBA because it was made by Treasure. One of the bad things for the Saturn, though, is it didn't have much in the way of third-party support. It were mostly like in-house ones. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because it did mean the games that did come out first-party were normally of high quality, like Nintendo does. Like. Mm. Uh, not to say they weren't all like brilliant. Yeah, another series you may have heard of, which I'm not sure where the status of this franchise is nowadays. I'm not sure if it's been ported recently. Panzer Dragoon, may have heard of. Like Sega's Answer to... Yeah, Sega's Answer to... Star Fox or Lilac Wars. And that's pretty popular. I remember playing that back in the day and being very bad at it. <laughs> Even recently, restreaming it. So like, oh, I'm going to play this. It's like, oh, I'm still shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the most notable ones that came out on it. But as I say, like, every, pretty much every game I had on the Saturn I enjoyed. Probably with the exception of Sega Rally, but that was still beloved by quite a few people. I just felt if it weren't for the uh, getting such a bad start and the mistakes Sega made at launch, it could have done so much better. And we might even... We might have even had a, uh, a different Sonic Avenger to begin the kickstart that entire franchise with. But I do believe it's got at the time, or probably still is, if besides PC and modding support, I think the Sega Saturn has the definitive version of Doom on it. Like if you're going to play one from that era, don't get the PlayStation one, get the Saturn one. 
that's got the best one. Because for some reason or another, the versions of Doom and other things have bits missing, like uh, the Jaguar one, which has no music. Mm. It's like, but uh, Saturn managed to pull it off. So well done, Saturn. You win a point. Yeah, uh, this whole session was just, uh, an excuse for me to gush about the Saturn console I love, which hardly anybody else I've talked to knows about it. I mean, I know a couple of our viewers know it. I've, I've played it back in the day. And if you did, a hat goes off to you because you had, you were very lucky to get to play this back in the day. Uh, well, well, well done well done for being that lucky yeah I'm still looking through some of the screenshots of some of the games on there and I feel like yeah if I was to play this like back in the day like if if I have my current knowledge of like JRPGs as I do now and play these games back then I feel like it would be like a completely different thing there's, no, there's quite a few um, fighting games on it as well like Dark Stalkers 3 uh, Marvel vs. Capcom Street Fighter Alpha 3 which I believe all were on the PlayStation as well but you also had stuff like uh, you know, Castlevania Symphony of the Night Resident Evil. Actually, um, I do believe the Saturn version of Symphony of the Night was better than the uh, PlayStation for two reasons. One, it's got a whole extra area exclusive to the Saturn. Secondly, the load times are a hell of a lot faster. If you've played the original Symphony of the Night and died, it takes like a solid minute at least for you to go back to the main thing and load your game up, which made dying something that you didn't want to do just because mm. you think, oh, fuck, I've got to load the bastard again. game. But it's got better things. Resident Evil was on it, but I think that's pretty much just the same. And of course, you've got Sonic R on it. And who doesn't like Sonic R, apart from most people? I like Sonic R. But... Everybody's supersonic racing on it. I know. I love the soundtrack. <laughs> it's one of my favourite soundtracks. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those soundtracks that goes, this does not belong with this game. What the hell is going on? It's so mm, polar. <laughs> it doesn't, but it does. That's the thing. It only seems to now because I think we've, we've just been conditioned over the years to sort of like accept it. But if you pick this up back in the day and you go, this soundtrack is going places, what the hell? Oh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> but like now, like you expect kind of that from Sonic games. So it's like it, it's not actually out of place. Yeah, Sonic didn't have all the uh, all the friends and cheese factor and fan base it did back then. <laughs> so. No, but hey. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's but, a Sega Saturn. If no. you can get the emulator, um, then I highly recommend giving it a go because there's a load of great games on it. Sadly, just got overlooked. And that's a wrap, unless there's anything else. I can't think of anything. I'm just, I'm just still looking through like lists of Sega Saturn games and the top 10, top 20 lists always just have the same games. Well, same with the most consoles really every now and then you see like one website which has something slightly different to it it's like oh okay but yeah i'm always seeing like nights into the dreams even like the top like always the top three of any website i go on to dragon force as well shining force see a weird thing about nights into dreams is i had that didn't really rate it to be honest <laughs> i think um the most notable thing about nights into dreams that you may recognize it from is it did it appear in sonic adventure in the third level in the casino zone yeah. one of the pinball tables you play on is nights into dreams there's even a section where you go through like a pseudo level mm. uh, it's strange yeah I remember. It, yeah uh, in fact uh one of the games i played like i've mentioned it earlier uh shine the holy art it's on the intro screen it's got like a, a thing called a sonic software planning which was basically the beta version of a uh, sonic team mm. that's well, it i'm out of facts well <laughs> <laughs> if you've got if you're out of facts, thanks for listening. You know where to find us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh X. Fuck off. Um <laughs> you know, you I have watch... to I have to I have to autocorrect you. Uh, in the words of Adrian, it's it's not X, it's Twitter. It's it would always, it's always been Twitter. There you go. Correct. 
Oh, speaking of socials, you may have seen already if you do uh, watch our socials. This podcast is now available on my YouTube channel. Mm. I got a nice little invite saying, would you like to host podcasts on here? I was like, yes, yes, I would. So our podcast is now available on my YouTube channel over at Spanky Rambles. So yay, more free publicity. Don't forget to also, if you want some more publicity, please check out Spanky Shorts on YouTube as well. And it's TikTok. Yeah, they're terrible. But <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> and then watch, terrible, check them out. <laughs> and watch these two on Twitch. Yes, I'll be doing Ender Lilies and Terraria and Arcanites at the moment. And I'm going to be doing Super Mario RPG very soon. Oh, I forgot your Elden Ring one. How's that? Oh, I've literally done one stream of that. <laughs> so, yeah, how was it? Uh, same as every start of uh, Elden Ring one. Run around the map for three hours before you even start the goddamn challenge. Because <laughs> you're like, like, right, I need a weapon, I need all the heals, I need... A... Yeah. It's like, I can't do anything yet. I'd spend like... It was like two and a quarter hours before I even killed my first enemy because I can't attack anybody. But, <laughs> yeah, so I decided to do a sleep weapons only run which I hadn't seen anyone do until I started it and then I found a YouTube who did it. Although they did it a very different way to how I planned it. So it's still unique, damn it. Yeah, it's still unique. Upload it to YouTube. Mm, maybe. Uh, you can find, watch these two on Twitch as well. They'll be streaming <laughs> most days. Are we missing anything else? Don't no, we're streaming so. most days apart from the days that we don't. Don't yeah, think I'm missing anything It's Tuesday and a Friday. And uh, yeah, you're here as again in two weeks. Like always, you know, episode 70, fucking hell. Not nice. What do you mean, not nice? Well, last episode was nice. Oh, right. (laughs) This is like episode 70, not nice. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm not going to call it that. Yeah, we're not calling it that. (laughs) I may as well just say this episode is shit. I don't want... (laughs) What? Spanky Sega Saturn essay. I've already got a title. He's way ahead of you. I'll find out in a second. If I go quiet, it's because I'm typing something (laughs) Anyway, uh, listen to Retro Smashed video game podcasts as well, because they're good boys. And uh, enjoy your week, whatever you do. And you'll hear us again soon. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Oh, and happy 2024. Oh, yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah. <laughs> happy New Year. Happy New Year.